G'day and welcome to the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast, mainly for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and let me thank C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV for their support and sponsorship. And this is the show to help you explore ways to become the best version of yourself at work as a manager. Each episode, you'll hear from some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share your passion to elevate and transform team culture. They share insights in self-leadership and leading others. Together, we can make workplace culture better. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Cheryl Lynn creates mindful practices and experiences to shift the collective consciousness towards making joy the dominant vibration in workplaces everywhere. Cheryl's catalyst is her chair of joy, a beautiful white padded throne with gold trim. She invites executives, thought leaders, politicians and influencers to tell stories of what brings them joy while seated either in her chair or their own. And magic happens, pure and simple. Welcome, Cheryl Lynn. Cheryl, I've, I've been aware of your work for over a year now, and I've been itching to invite you onto my podcast. So um, better late than never. It's, it's <laughs> too late. I wish I'd had you sooner. So I can't wait for my listeners to hear all about your chair of joy and your mission to bring more joy into the workplace. So welcome. Well, absolutely excited and thrilled to be here, Nina. I always watch you on the C-Suite platform and super excited to finally be here. Yes, love, love, love you. Now, over 20 years ago, I read a book by a Brisbane dentist, Dr. Patty Lund, called Building the Happiness-Centered Business. And that has been and still is one of my favorite books in business because it reminded me that as a team leader of about, I had about six or seven staff at that time, everybody was going up and having their own coffee and taking it back to their desk and everybody had their own lunch at their own desk. I, I was the decision maker. I read this book and it said, how about you have morning tea together? Mm. And I went, duh. And that became a standard practice, unless it was an unusually rapid urgency sort of day, we stopped at 11 o'clock and sat down together for 15 minutes and I never enjoyed my team. We never had more joy in our day-to-day experience than that one little practice. So I don't know, uh, what do you think about people getting together to, um, to, uh, to just take a moment in the day to experience more joy? Well, you were doing the chair of joy way back then. I, I wish we were collaborating at such a high level then. But I like to say happiness and, right? So happiness is our moments that are fleeting. They come in and come in. We are happy when we eat an ice cream cone and then the ice cream cone melts or when we buy our Mercedes and then we have to fix it and then we're not so happy anymore. So happiness kind of weaves in and out. Um, we can't really count on it. But joy, like what you were doing at the coffee set or the tea setting, is you were creating long-lasting memories. I'm sure there was a gazillion stories. There was connections. You learned things about each other probably that you hadn't talked about ever or have time for or take time for. So pretty miraculous that you were doing that, uh, Nina, way back. I just I find that very powerful. And I, I hope that CEOs and leaders that are listening today are doing that. I mean, 
joy is not a word that we use very often. We're we're coming up on the Christmas season and I think we hear it a whole lot more. We hear it, you know, that birthday party or that children's birth gave me so much joy. But on a daily, regular basis, it's the back burner. It's someday, it's one day, it's the vacation we plan, but it's not something that we put in our day-to-day activities, generally speaking, from my perspective. And and I also, from my nuance of the difference between the word joy and happiness, happiness, as you say, can be fleeting, momentary, and surface level, whereas to me, joy seems to go deep. It's a It's a deep sense of, if you've got a deep sense of joy going through your life, you've probably got a deep sense of gratitude as well. Would that be right? Yes. So if you actually open up the dictionary and look up the word joy, you are, you are going to find something, in my opinion, that's extremely antiquated still because it talks about states of happiness or gladness or even giddiness, right? And so that's why I started my company called Joyly because I think once, as, as I said before, not only is sustaining joy on a on an all-day basis, so you want to you want to access it, sustain it, and and then activate it out into the world. It takes work. It takes more than just being in a moment of joy. Like you said, it has to be, it has to be ingrained in us. It has to be in our DNA. Um, it has to be in our conversations with ourselves, with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers. Or if we're not focusing on this, these things that are so very important, then really, what are we doing? So, so yes, joyly is a new is a new word that I created my own definition, and it's really the state of living joyly. So all day long, we're purposefully paying attention. And of course, uh, an earlier episode with uh, uh, the senior vice president of people and culture, Sarah Derry, who was uh, with Accor, which is a hospitality hotel group. They have an intentional culture called Heartist, H-E-A-R-T-I-S-T, and one of the one of the behaviours is when there is a team meeting, they deliberately spend five to ten minutes just talking about their own lives before they get down to business because they want to bring more joy into the meeting process. So, tell us how do you, how do you, uh, Cheryl, work with teams to increase joy in the workplace? So I think that one of the most important and integral pieces of information that we miss when it talk when we talk about joy in the workplace is that joy is just one um, one emotion, right? So I don't know if you know the seventeen levels of consciousness by Dr. David uh, Dr. David R. Hawkins, but um, he talks about from shame to guilt to apathy to fear, courage. And then the other side, the pot, that's all the negative side. The, the positive side is that of that is um, in um, uh, uh, gratitude, love. So sorry, love, gratitude, joy, peace, enlightenment. So there's a huge spectrum of emotions. So the point is, is that we weave in and out of those all day long. But the question is, if we're angry at work or frustrated or there's stress or there's some kind of reason to, um, you know, not be so joyful is how do you use that to fuel joy? And so uh, I recently did an event with 25 uh, staff members at an amazing organization, organization not too far from me. And it was amazing what happened when we finished the program. Um, People were saying, you know, man, I'm, I'm so sad that we have to go through our day all day long and not know who that person is or know what's going on in their lives or or know that I was a source of great joy to them. We never stopped long enough to take 
and pay attention to those things. So, so yeah, I guess that's my point is that if, if leaders and managers are wanting to bring more joy into the world, it's that they are paying attention to all the other emotions and then how to feed and, and uh, how to feed that and use that to create more joy. And, you know, the the team leader can make it a little bit of a game. I can remember one Christmas uh, lunch that we had, you know, to celebrate end of year. I took a, a, a piece of coloured paper for each uh, one, one for each member of the team. We had about six or seven people and their name was at the top. Uh, one thing I like about and the person's name, Cheryl, is... And then what we did is we just had our coloured pens in the centre of the table and we numbered it one through seven for the number of people there and we each person just wrote down something positive about that one person and we passed the sheet along. So uh, on this occasion I'm writing about uh, Kerry and on the next occasion I'm writing about Jack and at the end you received the gift of seven comments that were positive about you. And I happen to know that one of my staff members that was with me for years, she had that up behind her desk for years. And even when we changed offices, she put it back up because she could, uh, I never really asked her, but I can only imagine that she sought um, pride and pleasure from seeing those seven positive comments. Beautiful. That is such a wonderful um, activity for all people, whether they're in a corporation or in a family. So I really appreciate that. And I'm going to talk to you about the chair of joy in just a little bit. But the idea is we also want to sustain it. It's not just the feeling good in the moment, right? And that's why I love that she posted it on the wall. Uh, But in addition, like how can you utilize a chair of joy or some kind of practice every day, all day long while you're in your, while you're in your corporate environment. And um, I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit. That's right, because I want everyone to know that I'm going to be sitting in the metaphorical chair of joy and Cheryl is going to run through a series of questions with me and I have to, you know, respond with the first thing that pops into my head. So uh, if you stay listening, you'll, you'll actually get to hear a, uh, an actual chair of joy uh, experience. And then also I found that when I listened to one some time back, I was bringing up my own answers to the questions and it's self-knowledge. It's great self-knowledge to find that out. So, yes. <laughs> so how yes, did you first get involved in, where did you get this idea of this uh, amazing chair and maybe describe the chair, but wh- how did you get into this idea of, uh, of this metaphor uh, and having a real chair of joy? Thank you for asking, Nina. I think that's um, it's it's an evolution of my whole lifetime, really, and it's a passion that's inside of me that won't let go. And basically, it's uh, it's I broke my nose when I was eight years old. Actually, my brother broke my nose when I was eight years old by wanting me to play softball, and I didn't want hardball, and I didn't want to play, so he threw the ball at me square in the nose. So it broke my spirit. Not only did it break my nose, it broke my spirit, and I felt ugly. It was my trauma you know, it was center and it, it stayed with me for my whole life until I got rhinoplasty later. But all ye- all those 30 years that I was in disfigurement is I, before I fixed it, I really sought, searched, hoped, looked for this thing called happiness. Don't worry, be happy. And then that's when I discovered, wait a minute, there's something else besides, besides just happy or just having this fleeting moment. And, um, and that's when I discovered joy. And what happened specifically as I was sitting on a beach and I was in a custody battle, actually, 
And um, I had a couple of incredible moments of joy pass through me. And a few minutes later, I got a phone call that said um, the situation was over. And so things started happening to me when I started really focusing on that, on joy. And I don't just mean going to the garden, you know, going on a hike, like those are all great things. Those are moments of happy that pile up, but true joy, true joy being I can sit perfectly still. I don't have to run around the world. I can just be with myself and expand joy through the practice that I create. And I think that's what um, people are finding so amazing. I've been to, you know, thousands of people have sat in the chair of joy. It's a beautiful, it's behind me. If, if people are watching the video, it's a, it's a white um, leather uh, broke chair with gold trim and diamond studs. And um, it gives people a real sense of um, enjoyment and pleasure to sit there. But the point is, is that any chair anywhere, anytime is a chair of joy. And so I ask everyone to look around their house, um, look around their workplace, look um, outside in the woods, wherever it is, and find somewhere that you can just get away and take a few minutes to sit down and find your own joy and expand upon it. Yes, indeed. It could even be a bench in your garden, you know, somewhere that's a little bit different. And then it seems to me from a psychological point of view, that's what's called creating an anchor. If you decide to name a special chair, uh, your chair of joy, then every time you sit there, you'll be empowering it with uh, imbuing it with the spirit of joy so that it, it happens automatically by association. Is that sort of how it works? That is exactly right. And there is lots of neuroscientists. In fact, one of our friends, Jim Wilder, he talks about we go to sleep at night and our brain will go to fear or joy. And you'll you'll have that in your body, in your beingness all night and in your brain. So it's like, are we going to bed watching you know, scary thrillers on TV or the, the news or whatever is happening in our world around us? Or are we stopping to read a good book or put something positive into our mindset? So yes, neuroscience is very, very important. And I want to make one really cool point. Um, I can't remember the name of the doctor that said this, and I can send that to you as soon as I find it. But he was he states that negative emotions come at us like Velcro, like they just stick to us. It's it's our brain saying, it's, it's the chemistry of our brain to attract the negativity and it stores it. Positive emotions are like Teflon and it's like an egg, you know how it slips off and they just melt away and go away. It's just how our makeup of our brain is. And so we want to really, really pay attention to the negative in and the positive um, that's happening to us all day long. Yeah, well, of course, uh, the evolution, uh, the evolutionary aspect is if you were um, in a, in an environment, a wild environment where you had predators, you had to be negative in order to see them. Whereas we're we're, we're not in that sort of uh, na natural wild nomadic <laughs> environment anymore. So so we just have to be mindful of our self talk and also mindful of what we put in. You know what we're programming ourselves before we go to sleep, so that we can go to sleep and sleep well like a baby, wake up feeling refreshed and, and positive. So what are some tactics that middle managers uh, and, and even senior leaders can bring into the workplace that will increase more joy? So there are a ton of uh, books, you know, that we can disseminate around. There are posters. Um, my friend, Dr. Paul Abel, has um, a whole book, 365 
keys to longevity. And he's done a, a whole bunch of research. He's um, he's uh, 76, I think. And he just had a baby. Well, he didn't just, his baby's eight years old now, but he's like, I want to live a really long time. So he found these this discovery that if you focus on joy, you live longer. So there are books to lay around. There are quotes to put up. Um, there are there's the language of joy. Um, I would suggest that there's one word that I hear all the time that I sort of, it's sort of a sort of a chalkboard moment, if you will. But if you if you look at your emails a lot of times or just listen to conversations, people hear this word and say this word a lot. Are you ready for it? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit afraid. I better put up my red shield. <laughs> I do the same it? thing. I do the same thing. I, I typed an email just before I heard about this and I had gone back and looked at it and I'm like, I used the word need about four times in one two sentence email. So I need you to do this. I need to live here because my mom and dad, or do I want to, do I want you to do that? Is it important that we, we move um, the shoulds and the woods and the coulds out, but especially the word need. It's just, it comes across as strong and demanding and arrogant and, you know, almost hierarchy, right? Who's in control, who's in power. And if we just say, I would like this or it would make it would feel good if we did this or I would really want this to happen you are going to get a whole whole lot more buy-in and the language of joyly has a bunch of other words but that's the that's the main one well I'm really glad you're working on language because I <laughs> when we do business writing training one of the things is around you know adding instead of can you re- redo the invoice please redo the invoice and 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 give them a reason. So just replacing need need required uh, must should have to ought to that language is the language of command, and you can replace it with the language of possibility, uh, depending on the situation, of course. So sometimes uh, assertiveness is is called for, but generally I, I I see it in communication. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And one other one, I feel like I feel like. I feel like we, I feel like, you know, that we could do better. I feel like instead of, I feel like, what do you actually feel? I feel excited that we could do a whole lot better. I feel enthusiastic that this happened. I feel hmm, a little, you know, discontented that this sort of went on like this, like say what it is that you really want instead of that old eighties, you know, the, we went back, we always used to say, I feel like at least we were starting to talk about emotions, but I feel joy. Like, why can't we say that? This is joyful. I feel this and let people know because it, it's almost like too scary to say what you want to say out loud and get excited about it. Cause it's the other shoes going to drop. Like if I get excited, then this might fall. Right. And so I don't know, my suggestion is weave that more in as, as often as possible. Well, it's also, uh, there's a, there's a thing in positive workplace culture, which is, uh, some of the work that I do is to understand the language of positive regard and to always give credit for other people's ideas. And I can't believe that's still not happening because I was speaking to someone recently who has a, an HR manager's job. She's left a company that she started with four months previous because one of the managers took her, when she made her suggestion, everybody just looked at her blankly. And then next thing she knows at the next meeting, that manager is taking credit for that that same idea that was he he was just poker faced about, and it's mm. like, hang on, don't steal my ideas, give me credit mm. for them, please. 
She's out of there. That's how you lose people. Yeah. So if you want, especially in this world of the great resignation and people wanting change in their own personal lives, to 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 be more uh, joyful and to have the language of, uh, of of joy in the office means that you're going to have better employee engagement, which will what lead to greater productivity, greater retention, outcome, yeah. results, problems, solutions being solved much faster. I mean. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the chair of joy, but just finding a place of stillness, like your Google and Facebook have the little pods, right? That, you know, I'm sure lots of companies have those now, but just encouraging that sort of stop time and almost putting it in the calendar that it's okay to take a stop three times a day. That's right. And, you know, I, I, there are occasions where, you know, the the uh, if, you t- if you think about the DISC profile, you've got the eyes for influencers. They're the people that understand interpersonal relationships. They'll say, oh, we're going to have a cake for someone's birthday. And you'll have the, the high Ds or the high Cs, the directs and the compliances saying, oh, we're just here to get a job done. We're not here to have fun. It's like, if you can't have fun at work, you won't want to stay. You've got to, you've got to actually enjoy being at work to actually want to stay at work because otherwise it's a down a downhill trend just before we go through the the chair of joy experience because i think it's going to transform me <laughs> uh, the whole experience will be transformative there is one other observation i'd like to make and i'd like your feedback on it please cheryl um when i go in and talk about productivity and priority management one of the questions i ask is how, how many people in this group are eating their lunch at their desk rather than walking away from their desk and having at least a 30-minute break? And I'm horrified to say that most organisations, it's about 60-plus percent, raise their hand and say, oh, yeah, I have my lunch at my desk. Mm. And there's research that says that if you choose to have a break from workday activities, you'll maxim- maximize your own recovery. I just yeah. uh, I just point out that if you don't have this break at lunchtime and choose to have one with another colleague if you can, um, then the whole afternoon will be one slow haze and you'll actually get slower and slower and it will be imperceptible to you. So that means you're being less productive. So have you got any thoughts about people not taking enough breaks, even micro breaks at work. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I have tons of thoughts of that, about that, but I think what's really important to note here is that you have to meet people where they are. Like, I love to work through lunch and sit at my desk and eat, but I find my time of away on occasion, right? I know when to take a break. I know when my, I know when my frustration levels. So really just finding out from each individual or just watching or observing how individuals handle their day and their workload. If they're crazy and, you know, all over, all, you know, up in arms about something, then 
then, you know, maybe there's time for a discussion. But a lot of times people are just overjoyed doing this. I'm not sure, but it's something to pay attention to. It becomes around the culture of joy. So the whole chair of joy experience, like I, I hate to keep bringing that up, but it works. Like if you're having a chair of joy session at lunchtime and you, everybody's taking a moment to talk about their weekend or what they did last night together, eventually some of those people will find their way over because it becomes to permeate the culture. They can't help but go, wow, that worked for them, or that's really cool that they're doing that. How do I participate? And even if they do it once a week, it's better than no time during the week, right? And it's just kind of moving people through the cycle so that they're uh, all elevating no matter where they are. Okay. Well, is, is it now a good time for to experience the chair of joy experience? <laughs> There's always a good time. So perfect. Are you ready? I, I, I was ready as I can be. <laughs> So a lot of us work from home uh, and some of us don't. So, But for the purpose of this event, we're going to talk about our houses. So I would like for you to envision yourself at your home where, um, where you probably spend a great deal of time. And I want you to just take a visual tour around your house. And I want you to think about all the different places that you can sit to take a break, the couch, the recliner, the deck, you know, on and on and on. There's lots of places to sit. But where's the place that resonates with you like a lot, like the thing, the chair that you go... I'm just going to sit here, maybe close the door, get away from all the noise. Where is that chair for you in your house, Nina? In my front patio, I've got a glass table and a comfortable chair in front of that. And uh, if, if guests come, that's where we'll go and sit and have a cup of tea because it's it's almost in the garden. It's surrounded by greenery. And uh, apart from winter, of course, uh, which in Brisbane is only about three months of the year, but nine months of the year, I can sit there and, and feel comfortable and relaxed and um, or calm, peaceful. Lovely. And how many times a day do you sit in that chair? At least once. Once a day? At least once. I normally have my lunch there. Uh, you know what I'm, I'm thinking? I could do it more often because I have a cup of tea on another two occasions. Why don't I stop and take my tea out there and have it? So I'll be sitting there three times a day. <laughs> Listen to you. You're way ahead of the game. I should have known you were going to. I'm going to let you teach this. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the point, though. That is exactly the point. Um, and I just want to interject a real quick story about a, a friend of mine named Lance, who are only just new friends. And he told me that he said, when I started talking about the chair of joy, he said, I bought a chair. I didn't call it the chair of joy, but I bought a chair 10, 11 years ago now, he said, and it was in the really low downtime of my life. But the chair loves me. It embraces me. It feels good in the room it is. I look out the window at the horses. So so, so you already said, the next question is, what, is you, what do you see? And you mentioned the green. Greenery, so we'll go with that for now. And then what do you hear when you're sitting in your chair of joy? Well, usually it's birds. <laughs> okay, birds. Perfect. Um, Let's go with that. And, uh, yeah, we're, I'm surrounded by birds. Um, uh, my cat usually sleeps during the day, so I don't hear her until the evening. <laughs> Very good. But, so uh, everybody, sorry. And there's not a lot of traffic. There's occasional cars go by. But, but basically, if I'm going to hear anything, it'll be birds. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. So I'm just going to start fresh. So if anybody's uh, listening in and wants to do this, imagine yourself sitting at your chair of joy. This is not necessarily a closed eye experience. You can do it, you know, when you're sitting at your desk chair at the office or wherever. So, but if you want, that's fine. So you're sitting in your chair of joy, your, your feet are on the ground. So we're getting very grounded. We're looking around, we're seeing what we can see. We can hear what we can hear. 
whatever noise is coming is perfect. Whatever children or whatever's going on in the world is fine. You're in your chair of joy and that's all that matters. And the next part is we're going to take a deep breath in. So I like to say ocean breaths because waves are awesome to me. I love the ocean. It's very healing. So six seconds in is a wave and six seconds out. And I want to see if you can tap into one of your most joyful memories, um, Nina, anything that comes to mind first, and it could be as simple as the wind on your face, but something when things were just all juicy and working out for you, what's the first thing that came to mind? Well, I can remember when I cried with joy, when I received the telegram in the days of telegrams that I had been accepted into the three-year full-time program of the Australian Film, TV and Radio School. And it was extremely competitive. And they took only four people from my state. And I was one of the four. And I cried with joy because I was at a career crossroads. I was only in my late 20s. And I just, I wanted to move on from being a teacher. And it got me into media and uh, television. And I was accepted. I'd been studying, I'd been doing all these courses, so it wasn't out of the blue, and I had demonstrated commitment to film and TV, and they went, well, this person has potential, and I was accepted. I cried with joy. And no looking back, and look where you've come, so that's pretty amazing. All right, one more time, so everyone that's listening, six seconds in, let's take another deep breath in, and let's see if we can tap into another place. Let's see if we can go to another place. You're like, oh, this was joyful. You could have been a little girl at an event, anywhere in between? Well, it was only a few years before that, but I was a full-time musician playing violin, fiddle, in a country band in far north Queensland. And the year before, we'd won the Battle of the Bands. It was called Rainbow House Country Band. But I, but I, made the, I created the goal that I'd like to win Best Instrumentalist this year. And I did. We won the Battle of the Band second year running, and I was best instrumentalist. I was over the moon. It was it was just a culmination of an incredible couple of years of just being totally focused on practicing four hours a day and being the best I could be at at country music, country rock. <laughs> All right. So let's everyone just take those two memories that just came up and just let them resonate from your head to your toe. So the country rock, uh, the, playing the fiddle and winning the award, just letting that kind of go through your head to your toe. Who was there? What was going on? You know, where was the applause? And then, of course, the the first event where um, you received the telegram that you were actually um, re- ready to go into the course with the TV and radio. So just let those moments kind of resonate. And if you could come up with two with one word for those two memories to connect the essence of those two, what would the word be? Well, creativity. For for me, creative expression is a very important thread in my life. Mm. So these were both expressions of creativity. Perfect. And you're going to put creativity in a jar or sorry, some kind of container. Didn't mean to say jar, but some kind of container. What was the first container that comes to mind? Well, sitting on, on my um, shelf in the TV room is a beautiful metal box that is like a mini treasure chest. Mm. And if I could put creativity in that box, I'd put it in that. All right. You and me are going on a trip. We're going to go to, where do you want to go? Tahiti. 
Of course. We're going to Tahiti and there's a thousand people waiting there and at the plane at the end of the runway for us. And we're getting out and you're carrying your beautiful metal treasure box and it's filled with creativity. And everyone is scratching their head about why this brings you joy. They don't get it. You know, it's just something that's on the never going to happen. What would you say to them? So that they could get a little more of what's in your treasure box, a little more of this creativity that brings such joy. Just wish it and it will happen. Ooh. (laughs) You just have to hold the wish and hold it steady and it will happen. It will come to you. I get that from you, right? You wanted to win. You want to set up the the goal and you went after it and just hold it, hold it, hold it. And there it is. Beautiful words. And last thing, if you could give your beautiful little treasure box away to someone today, who would it be and why? Oh, gee. Um, Well, I would say anybody that's working towards world peace. And in fact, it reminds me of a time when I was in Japan and I was traveling to New York and uh, some people said, would you do us a favor? We've got a peace poll. It's, it's a poll that says, may peace prevail on earth. So I would like to give this box to whoever is in charge of the peace poll project, which is still operating, that, that puts in, in parks and gardens and public and private places around the world, may peace prevail on earth. That's who I'd like to give it to. What a beautiful gift that would be. We have to look them up and see if we can send some love their way. All right. And so that's kind of the essence of the chair of joy. And let me just refresh or remind what we did. We we called in two memories. So you put them through your whole body, which is neuroscientifically proven to um, raise all outcome results, health, well-being, everything. Uh, Would you agree that we raised your vibration of joy in your body when we did those two memories of joy? Absolutely. Because they were two of the most powerful, empowered moments of my life. And we often don't stop and think about them, even as little as opening up a new package of bagels, you know, and they smell good. I mean, we just don't stop long enough to resonate with any memory of joy, let alone those two significant ones. I should also mention, I would say the day I got married, we got married, was the happiest day of my life, the most joyful, in-depth day of my life. So uh, but that's that's a lot of people do share that. <laughs> You do. You're absolutely right. And then the last thing we did, we made your intent, we made your intangible joy, your your idea of creativity, and we made it tangible by putting it in a box. And then you shared the message with others, which is often for people when they sit in the chair of joy, the message that they have to hear the most. So the thing you said was just hold on to it. Don't give up. Often what comes out of my mouth is the word is adventure. When's the last time you went on an adventure? Go on an adventure, right? It's often the message that we have to hear ourselves. So we're really speaking to ourselves. And then you still use this, you, you, uh, you access joy, sustained it, and then of course activated it by giving it away to others. So well done, bravo, 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 bravo. And then if you could do that three times a day, take your tea over there and just let yourself enjoy the work, the amazing, amazing work you're doing in the world, Nina. Uh, just celebrate it. Just celebrate you and how much fun and more impact can you have on the world when you're raising your v- level of vibration on the planet? Well, back at you, uh, Cheryl, because you're the one that's raising everyone's vibrations through your chair of joy and your chair of joy experience. So please tell us, how can CEOs, senior leaders or man- middle managers work with you? And I believe you, you can work in any time zone remotely around the world. How can they, how can they work with you, Cheryl? 
Absolutely. I have three levels of certification. The first one is called champion. So the event that I did or events that I do, I make everyone a champion of joy, joyly. So just by listening, you're a champion now. Yay, you've got the certification. (laughs) You went through the experience. But the middle managers, leaders, there's a little bit more training to get that one person that's sitting at their computer, maybe off for lunchtime. And so there's a there's a chairperson uh, program that we take everyone through to kind of give them more of an education and understanding of how to develop the culture of joy, the language of joy, you know, really, you know, really get in it with the, the concepts of joy. And then last is the master program. So CEOs, coaches, uh, some of our clients are becoming um, real leaders in this movement. So we're super excited to work with everyone um, and continue the conversation about how important it is for world peace, which you brought up, um, to really increase the conversation of joy on a daily basis. Well, you know what I'm thinking? Just as companies may, uh, accept the fact that they can have a customer service champion, why can't they have a joy champion? And usually you need two in an organization so it, they each feed off each other. So it seems to me that uh, any organization could have one or two joy champions uh, making sure that there's joy in the workplace. What do you think? Yeah. I think Chase Manhattan or some of the bigger companies could have hundreds. I mean, it just all depends on how big the organization is and how many people they want to impact and how much they want to raise their bottom line. Our friend Jeffrey Hazlett says, if we could just give 1% increase conversation around joy and increase the vibration or the mental health attitude toward joy, what could that do for our bottom line? There are not enough zeros to measure it. And the other thing I've observed too when I've been working with teams is that toxic uh, behaviour and comments seem to just go unchallenged. And I think we have to call it out. And I was doing business communication and someone gave the example where they were at a meeting where one person just threw their pen down on the table and said, I'm surrounded. And I had to ask, what does that mean? Well, that's the first start of a phrase that is says, I'm surrounded by idiots. And I mm. went, how on earth could that, that accusation go unchallenged? There's no room in any meeting in any workplace for someone to get away with a, an insult like that. We, we just can't have colleagues getting away with, with stupid insults. That's We have to call it out and say that's not acceptable. That's not how we do it around here. We we use the language of positive regard. So I think managers, if you can be more assertive and find your voice and just say, we, we don't work that way here, and just make sure that the people think that, especially if they're a new hire and they think that's how they, it used to operate where they used to work, that's not how it works around here. We all express respect, like, and we know, like, and trust each other. So yeah. And that definitely comes from leadership, you know, and if the leaders are doing that, the team certainly should be expected to do that. On the other hand, if leaders are not, you know, then there's, that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, maybe one way to, uh, to counter bullying and and negativity, negative behavior, toxic behavior is to, to make sure this whole thread of joy and positive regard is definitely um, apparent in, in any workplace. So that's, uh, look, you're doing such great work, Cheryl. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's been great to hear your stories and uh, much success and good, uh, good luck to you. The same to you. Thank you so very much for having me on the show. I very much appreciate you and your listeners. Thank you, Cheryl.
This episode, we've been speaking with Cheryl Lynn on the Manage Self Lead Others podcast for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. We interview experts who share insights on how to elevate and transform team culture. If you like this podcast, share the link with a friend and uh, invite them to listen. By becoming a regular listener, they'll build their capability as a leader. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter at Nina Sunday. Tell me you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Until next time, ciao for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.